Hi, I'm Charity. I'm Stacy. I'm Amelia. And Lee is unable to join us tonight as she is at a Mardi Gras parade because her and Ian now live in Mobile, Alabama. And Lee will be joining us now most of the time through Zoom. So we're going to do things a little differently tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to interview one of our own. Uh, we're going to talk with Charity. We're going to hear her amazing testimony and her story. Um, I would like to kind of say, put out there that if you're listening with little ears, we are going to be talking about life. We're going to be talking about a lot of life, hard life, real life, and we're going to be raw. And so, um, we're going to let you be the parent and decide, but we do advise, uh, to, to, to watch out for little ears. So charity is a friend, a mentor, uh, a servant, a leader, she is a wife, a mother of two awesome sons, and I love that she calls her daughter-in-laws, actually daughter-in-loves, Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is most recently a widow. Mm-hmm. She comes at life in an awesome, with an awesome perspective of freedom um, in what being just surrounded uh, by the Spirit um, mm-hmm. really means. So, uh, Charity Mohorn. Woo! <laughs> well, rubber's meeting the road. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm it constantly is. inviting people to on this podcast and asking them, yes, I want you to be vulnerable. You need to be vulnerable. People need to hear your story. And I know that we have already heard a little bit of your story in some previous mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. You've kind of talked a little bit about your past, your your childhood. You've talked a little bit about how you were raised legalistic Mm -hmm. very legalistic and i know me and you we we share in that together yeah that's something we do have in common we do i think it's it's a generational (laughs) thing identical yes Mm -hmm. exactly and uh anyhow i just wanted you to kind of talk a little bit more about how being raised in that kind of with that kind of you know stipulation that kind of religion Mm -hmm. you know to where you felt like you kind of had to do things and had to be perfect perfectionism Mm -hmm. how did that affect your view of of Jesus um unattainable untouchable unrelational Mm -hmm. wow what a question um very isolating. I felt extremely isolated um, as a child. You know, that, yeah, go ahead. Isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were surrounded by people. I was surrounded by love. Yeah. I really, mm-hmm. really was very almost. So explain isolation a little bit more. Okay. Um, never felt like I could be my true self. Um, as a child, I was actually a tomboy. Um, this is not something that I brought up, you know, on the last, mm-hmm. um, I think it was episode five, but I was actually a tomboy. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be free. I was constantly, do not keep me indoors. I'm literally going to suffocate. And um, mom was constantly calling me inside, trying to put dresses on me, trying to, um, but I never isolated. I never felt like I was ever heard. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I was truly heard. Um, for who I was and how he made me. Um, stifled voice. Um, wanted to talk about things. Wanted to ask why. One of my spiritual gifts is um, research. 
and it's teaching. And so if you're a teacher and a researcher, you want to know the whys of things. We don't always get the answer, but we don't stop. We are relentless in the search um, for the answer and for truth. So I just felt like as a child, anytime I tried to um, ask why, like, why, why can't we go over to this uncle's house? Um, why can't I... You know, why can't I be alone? You know, my mother was extremely protective Mm -hmm. um, of my sister and I. And so because of that, and there were reasons for that, um, in my my family, there is a history of child abuse. Um, It's generational. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's there. It's in almost every family. I am learning as I get older, being 51. it's it's just a real problem. So it was in in our family. I didn't really realize that until I got much older how bad it was um, on both sides of my mom and dad's family. And then with me, um, we were just so protected, and so because of that, we could not have a relationship with a real close relationship with a lot of our family members. We would see them on Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, maybe every once in a while, but. Um, so, so your mom felt very protective of yes. you, and so that is what isolated, isolated, and mm-hmm. controlled. Yes, very, very yes. controlled, and that goes really against a your fear. personality too. Yes, and yes, it is a fear that it's a yes. fear driven. Yeah, very driven by fear. I mm-hmm. felt that um, even it. It and so what happened is, as a child, I was not able to express my true self, not mm-hmm. heard, not yes. listened to, yes. dictated mm-hmm. on what I was going to do. That went into the way I believed Christ was or God was it was more like God I never really even okay as I'm talking about this never even really thought about Jesus Jesus was never communicated on a relational friend I mean I even remember being told one time Jesus can't be your friend oh yeah Really? Yes. There's even a song that says, what a friend we have oh, in that's Jesus. that's a song a million. It was written I'm, by someone. Is it scriptural? I'm well, pretty no, sure but it was in the Bible, though, that he was well, a friend yes, of God, like, wow. that we are friends of God. Yeah. So, yeah, I was never, never raised to believe that. Um, and then because I was so, you know, pressed down, pressed down, then events in my life, um, I'm just quickly going to go, you know, through at 17, I was raped. I was date raped. Um, trying to come out of this control of, you know, my choosing of having relationships um, with the opposite sex and controlling that because I realized early on I was I was pretty, and that gets you places, mm-hmm. you know, and it gets you. It you can have a lot of control by using your looks. Um, there is an euphoria that happens. You almost kind of become God of your life, where I could not be God. I had no, I had no control, and God couldn't even be God of my life because He was so controlled, and I was isolated out of it. So I do realize um, why I made those choices was in a very, very hard relationship, um, very difficult relationship. Too early from thirteen until almost uh, sixteen years old, and I had to end that. Um, it was very abusive, and and so it even went against my parents like they loved you know Mm -hmm. this person and I felt like the world was literally against me Mm -hmm. um and then tried to be I just want to touch on this a little bit um the whole purity culture came in um 
way after, you know, it's when my kids um, were teens and stuff, that whole thing. But I think there's always been this tendency to have a purity culture, like I can do it, I can abstain, I have to have the self-control, so it's all up to me. And so I, I, I thought that's my answer. You know, I'm going to surrender to God, and but I'm going to control who I allow in. So I started putting up walls, and that's when I trusted someone when I had my walls up and, um, yeah, was date raped at 17, and then decided just to go off to college. And that's where I started to find my faith, um, was in college when I went 12 hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so made that decision and it was and I just want to say sometimes that is healthy it was healthy for me it was the right decision for me um I had there was no way I had a chance to break free in the environment that was decided for me um even if I had gone forward and there were times I did do that and confess and want forgiveness begging and literally going to bed at night with my head on the pillow, crying to God and saying, Jesus, don't come back now. You can't come back because I will not be saved. I literally prayed that prayer for years as a, as a teen because um, I just hadn't gotten it right. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I need one more day to get it right. So I lived that way but, for you a know, long time. You, you live that way because really and truly you are trying to find your, one, you were trying to find your inv- individuality mm-hmm. where everybody was trying to control you, yeah. tell you what you could and couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But really and truly, it was a time whenever there was really no support. Mm-mm. Like you had no support. And I know if me and you, we've, we've talked a lot about this. You couldn't talk to anybody Mm-mm. in the church or elsewhere no. about no. the struggles no. that you were having. Not because, privately. Yes, Mm-mm. not no. privately or anything, because we had to put on this persona, mm-hmm. this yeah. face, and, and put our. We were perfect we Christians, were perfect and we were the perfect Christians. family. So yeah. there was nobody to communicate with about the things that you were struggling with. I was struggling with as an individual as, Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so you were really going through these things alone and trying to figure mm-hmm. them out all on your own. And As a child. As a child. I want to point this out. Mm -hmm. If you have a 13-year-old child, that is a child. Yes. That is not an adult. (laughs) They are not developmentally mature enough to Mm -hmm. make the decisions that we are actually forcing on children. Um, There's a reason why they can't make decisions until 18 because their, their, you know, development, mental development, emotional development is not there to handle some of the situations that we're expecting Mm -hmm. our children and our hey, I'm 29, too. and I don't think my brain is you always developed. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. definitely not 13. Uh, so, yeah. well, and um, I just, mm, I wish I'd had that person. It could have been a little bit of me too. I, mm-hmm. the closest person, I would say, I want to do a disclaimer about my parents. Um, I had some of the best parents yeah. in the world. I don't want anyone to be listening to this thinking that um, I didn't. I had my dad was one of the most mercy filled people I've, I've ever met. Um, he would listen, but then he was my dad. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to ever disappoint anyone. So that's what kept me, I think, from truly surrendering and being open. So um, getting past the point and trying to find that freedom in my faith of, learning to be vulnerable, and learning to trust people. That's my number. If I could say, what does charity, 
what is charity learning today at 51 is it's okay to trust people because I've spent most of my life not being able to trust people because they hurt me in the end and wounded me. And so being vulnerable, if I can say mm-hmm. that word, is is the key word here because yeah. really our parents they were never taught that. No. And that's the reason why no, we didn't right. have the support system because they didn't know how to be vulnerable. Right. Right. And we had to learn that the hard way. Right. And and my I mean I mean, my mother and I have had like deep, deep conversations yes. and she's apologized for stifling the mm. spirit. She yes. has literally sat me down in tears mm. across the kitchen table and said, as, a, as we're adult women, and said, Charity, I'm so, so sorry that I did not talk about the Holy Spirit, that you were not encouraged to talk about the Holy Spirit, that you were actually discouraged. And she said, I grieved and I taught my children to grieve the Holy Spirit and I am so sorry. Wow. You want to yes. break? You want to Wow. You want to mm. break a wall down with your children and the and it's just a generational thing. It it's is. what she was taught, she didn't know any better until she knew better, but to be humble enough to your adult child to sit down and say, "I'm sorry," because she knows how important that relationship with the spirit is. Now, mm. And, and that um, was really important for you to hear, too. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That, and that was just, there's so many facets to my story and how I've gotten to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And that's just one little nugget um, of it. So, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, too, about how going through those teenagers and everything that happened to you, um, you know, talking about, you know, you were um, raped. Yeah. Um, all of those dis- decisions that you made and then the decisions that you even made after that to say, okay, you, you were talking about the, um, um, what is it that where people, the ring thing. Oh, oh the purity. The purity, yeah. purity yeah. yes, yeah. the purity. Um, but how how is it that that made you feel about yourself? What did you think about yourself? When? During the... Before after, or after, after? After all of this stuff take place. And because well, you Well, I had, wanted to, after after the rape and realizing I could literally control nothing of my life, I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried to be good. I tried to do and look like what everyone was saying that the picture. And when I failed, when that even failed with someone I even trusted, um, suicide was um in my brain because if i was so um i don't know if used up is the word but that's how i felt if i was so used up Mm -hmm. and i was a waste then what was the point in going on yeah you see when you're that hopeless and when god is a god who's unattainable what it where is my hope i mean my hope was in what i could do or how i looked or what i could control so my I had no hope. And so I just remember having a heart to heart. Um my dad didn't know what was going on. Um my dad has long passed, um, several years now, and to this day he does not know what happened to me. He just knows I went through a very dark time. Mm-hmm. Um and many people at that time did not know that. Um except my mother. And so but my dad I remember him sitting down in the floor and it's like the first time I really I look back now, and that was a picture of the father um, with the child, the true God. Um, I just remember him getting on the floor with me and wrapping his arms around me and saying, there's nothing that you could ever do that would remove my love for you. 
And I remember at that moment, I almost told him, but I still felt like it was my fault because I wasn't good enough. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And then um, moved away, um, yeah. needed to leave to go to college, um, was in a, a practice. I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the faith thing. Um, I was in a singing group and I was, um, it's about two weeks into college. I want, I want the people to know the, the decision did not come. The decision did not come easy, um, to go off to college. I had a scholarship and you know, all that stuff. Um, but it was 12 hours away, actually 728 miles from my um, back door to my dorm door. And so I didn't go home, but three times a year, um, didn't know a soul. Um, when I went to college, had many panic attacks, didn't know that's what they were, um, isolated myself. I could not, I had, I actually had social anxiety um, to an extreme, but I was a vocal major. So there's that. Um, but there, so that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> um, but I just remember being in a practice and I think I could say her name. I want to say her name. I want to give her kudos to this. Um, she knows about this. I've told her even later in life what, um, how she was used by the Spirit. Mary Luker. And she was an alto in a singing group I was in. And we would have devotionals after our practices. And evidently, I kept saying, well, my mom and dad believe this. And my mom and dad taught me this. And I was taught this and mm-hmm. all this and she just stopped and evidently she got tired of hearing it and <laughs> knowing mary because <laughs> she worshiped with the guitar um <laughs> even in the early 90s as a church of christ wow. that was a big deal That's huge she was liberal and um and so she just she, she was all over it and she said stop what do you believe Mm-hmm. I I know so much about your mom and dad and their belief, but what do you? What does charity believe? I remember getting very upset at her, <laughs> leaving the practice, and really just was just sat in that for about two weeks. But that was the point. I started separating my beliefs from my parents' beliefs. Yeah. yeah. So how yeah. did that go over yeah, with yeah. your mother? You got you got you got oh, you got to tell the story <laughs> yeah, about yeah, my yeah, mom. Yeah, you got to tell that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so I um you know back then we had pay phones. And it was the um, punch in the number. It wasn't the rotary, I don't think, in the dorm room, in the uh-uh. hallway. Because it was one pay phone. It was, a, yeah. Amelia's yeah, looking we were at me like, beyond What's that? rotary like, at that time. It was okay. in the hallway, and <laughs> yes. they would call in. In the hallway, you have to, they'd yell for you to come out of your room, and you'd have to go talk to whoever you wanted to on a on like a pay phone yeah. in the hallway. Did you have so, to bring a, ride, a, a wagon back? On um, the 700 miles, or was this yeah, after that? I, yes, uh-huh, yes. Okay, okay, just checking. I had to hook up my um I'm just donkey. trying to get the historical context. I had to hook up my donkey and, yes, yes, um, okay. and ride through the snow. Um, <laughs> Appeals both ways. Yes. Without shoes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm feeling old today. but And so, um, anyways, I called my mom, and I had to, when Sam's Club first started, they had yeah. the calling cards. So you had the 10-digit number. Oh, if you're listening, you understand what the calling card with the 10-digit number is. You had the 1-800 number, then the 10-digit number. I had it all memorized. And so I I called up my mom, and I said, Mom, I just want you to know that everything you've taught me, I'm throwing out the window. Everything you've taught me about Jesus and God, I'm throwing out the window. But I am going to read the scripture, and I'm going to find out for myself. I'm going to find my own faith. And I hung up. (laughs) Love you. Bye, click. Love you. Bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought she'd be proud of me. I'm on this newfound freedom journey, right? Um, years later, I found yes. out she had gone volume. Yes. And was almost hospitalized. Her throat started closing up on her. So she's like, where did we send our daughter? You know, it's mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. Am and I gonna... for a woman who is all about control yes. and trying to control that, that was, yes. oh. it was, mm. Mm. so that's charity as a child mm-hmm. and um, as a teen. So, yeah, so going, moving forward, um, another way I found freedom was in um, Seth. Mm. Mm. So who is Seth? Yes. Well. Is you and Mel form? No, I'm just joking. Um, they are very similar. Amelia and Seth are very, very similar. It's a little scary. Um, anyways, but good. I don't know how um, to take that, but good. Okay, take okay. that good. Um, Seth was relentless to date me. Um, I was dating a, a, a member that I sang with, and wonderful um, young man, and I was, you know, committed. Mm-hmm. And just committed, and Seth kept banging on my window, and um, he, you know, he and his girlfriend had their relationship had ended, and he just was—I don't know if it was the spirit on him or what—but he was relentless. He would be considered a stalker um, uh, today, um, and I'm pretty sure that's what he was. But, um, anyways, it turned out good. Hey, he's a good little stalker. Love wants what love wants. Oh, and that's, uh, mm. and so he, he brought, um, he was not raised like me, although in the same belief system, mm-hmm. um, Midwest, overseas, Midwest. But he had a little bit more freedom growing up. He did. He? he had, a, yes, he had, a he had a, a, a little bit, yeah. but he was, um, he was not communicated about God the same way I was. Okay. Um, a relationship with Christ was very attainable, and he had one. Okay. Um, it was very, very different. Um, he never viewed Christ as anything less than deity in the flesh. I mean, he he understand he understood who Christ was. He shared that with me. My eyes were opening a little bit. I was mm-hmm. learning the love of Christ through Seth and his relentless pursuit of me. He was relentless. And I remember um, he told me years later after we were married and everything, he said, it's almost like I needed help. And he saw that in me, like a potential. Mm -hmm. Um, I was extremely shy. He remembers what I was wearing the first day he ever met me, saw me across the lawn at a um, college picnic, kind of get to know you. He remembered to the day he died he remembered what i was wearing i couldn't tell you what 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 that was i don't even remember it happening but he remembers so he he was on a pursuit um relentless and he just said there was just something about you that i knew the potential you had and i saw it and it just um i wanted to help that come out so Mm. um yeah so it's pretty special um so tell us, tell us about your marriage, about whenever he proposed and you were fixing to get married. I want to hear a little bit more about that because it is such mm. Um, so 
how vulnerable am I going to be? I, I want you to be very var- vulnerable. Are you going to go and there? The reason why I want you to go there because it really is how beautiful. Because let me tell you why. Are dealing with this yeah. because you're talking about his relentless pursuit of you. Yeah. Okay. And then there was a lot that he didn't know about you up until the time that y'all were about to get married. And you really need to talk about that and, and how he responded mm-hmm. to that. So Charity and Stacy have been friends for how long? A very long time. Long and this time. is something so, that Amelia doesn't hasn't heard yet. And yeah, this so. is this is the problem with having friends and having a conversation <laughs> recorded. They know too much about you. Um, but it's okay. Too, it's too good because really people yeah. do need to hear this. They do. Mm-hmm. So hmm, remember, I go off. Um, to college no one knows me right I am not being judged by anything of my past your reputation my reputation does not is follow a clean, you here it's a clean slate clean. it does not follow me there mm-hmm. it's it before it, social media it yes, yes. oh oh may word so yes. if I if there was social media when I was a teenager I would have oh, been so I'm kicked so out of my school I would have been probably homeschooled if they've been homeschooled was possible back then <laughs> I would have been. I. I. I just. Uh, it would have been. It would have been ten military times, school, hundred maybe. times yeah. military. Yeah. Oh. Woo. Or um, Mount St. Mary's. I don't know. I mean, I would. <laughs> that's where everyone went. That's okay. where everyone went. If you didn't make it, and all the one Mount St. Mary's, um, in a good Catholic school, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we dated maybe a year and a half mm-hmm. before. Um, shared some of my past, just enough that I felt was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, unequivocally. Ooh, ten dollar word. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved me. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that that wasn't an option to go off the table. Um. However, was he willing to take on um, hmm, an image that he did not know was a part of my history? Because Seth. Not even an image, but a well, reputation. Seth was a lot about image. I oh, mean, yeah, very he valued so. image. Very, very much so. Yes. Yes. And, he, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. He never wore a mask. I want mm-hmm. people to know Seth lived his true life. I mean, mm-hmm. he was who you got. Um, some people say he was more like that when cancer came into his life. I, I think he was more open about it. But if you were in his circle, you saw the true Seth. Mm-hmm. If you took time. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to know him, you knew him. Um, he didn't hide anything, so he didn't like hidden things. I'll say that he did not like things hidden. He liked to know, so he could process. And so what I did is I chose to hide things mm-hmm. from him up until about two weeks before our marriage, until um, we got married. And we got married very quickly. Because of our school situation, we had York, um, where we went, was a two-year school at that time. And then um, they didn't have any more opportunities for four-year degrees. So we left, went to another city, um, you know, did a university there. And then we got a call from the universe, from York that said, we're bringing in four-year degrees, so will y'all come back? You know, and so we were like, okay. And it was mid-year. We were only gone a semester. So we were like, we'll go back, but we're not going to be go back unmarried. Because right. we were engaged. We weren't going to, I mean, housing, it was just weird. Yes. We didn't want to live in dorms. We were older. And um, 
And so, yeah, we made a decision to get married in three months Mm -hmm. instead of wait a year. But you come by it honestly not wanting to share that because Mm -hmm. before you left to go to school, there's there's a a reason why you left there because of the opinions and even some of the confrontation that you had with some people Mm -hmm. that you trusted Mm -hmm. and how they approached you Mm -hmm. about your reputation. So yeah. it's it's only natural yeah. that you want would want to hide that because of how you were re- treated well, because it was, of it before. And I truly believe um, the individuals. I, mm-hmm. I will I will keep private. Um, I love them. Mm-hmm. I am still friends um, with them. They were very very close. Um, I still don't know why it happened like that. I don't know that they even know why it happened like that and why um it was so adamant that Seth knew or if I was trying to hide something I don't know I didn't talk to them about that but it was revealed mm-hmm. um some of my past and um, not by you not by not, me yeah um I, yeah I did not have that opportunity that was actually stolen from me to tell my future husband mm-hmm. um was I would I ever have told him I believe it would have come up would mm-hmm. it have been a, after I was married I don't know. Would it have been two weeks before? I don't know. But I do know that that's when it came up. And so I was, and I truly, truly thought, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. He's going to reject me. You know, everyone had rejected me. So when he knows my past and he really, truly knows all the faults, mm-hmm. he's just not going to accept me because no one ever did. Um, so I just remember um, I don't know what I'm going to do if Seth Mohorn doesn't turn around and accept me for all of me for Mm -hmm. who I am at that moment in my past Um, I will tell you this his reaction was I'm going to have to think about this and I'll let you know Hmm. um and I just had to come to the grips of, and I was getting to that point in this understanding and maturing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm older, um, maturing that, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, I was to the point where I can't change my past. I, I can't do anything can't about do. it. Right. Um, I didn't, I don't really know. I don't really know if I don't understand redemption at this point, even in my faith and my walk. I don't understand what that looks like. I don't understand how that happens. But I just know I've got to keep moving forward. And if he can't accept all of me, then I guess it's just not meant to be. And it was devastating to me. Um, Fortunately, um, he felt he was able. It was something he could. But he wanted me to sit down and be very, very, very honest with him. So we had to have a Mm heart-to-heart. And I felt like, well, you know, oh, well, what do I have to lose? Um, And so I did. I opened up. Mm -hmm. And it was before um, we got married. And I shared... Um, pretty much everything um and that was freeing um but i i am going to i'm going to say this we went into our marriage um with baggage mm-hmm. and something that we had to work through yes um because it was almost like even though it was my past he felt violated and he mm-hmm. felt cheated on because he just didn't know he didn't know that about me early on so mm-hmm. Um, there was trust that had to be built, um, very early on. 
in our marriage, a lot of testing, a lot of frustration, um, a lot of, I mean, <laughs> um, to be quite honest, we were about 10 years in our marriage and we had babies and the way I was being treated, cause he just was having a hard time getting over a lot of jealousy was creeping in. That's what happens. Because, like you said, he um, he had the memory. Factor, he right. had a memory of an elephant, and he, he did. just could not. He let could not go. let go. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, so I had to kind of like say, okay, I'm not living because this is becoming abusive. It's becoming controlling. And remember, I'd lived all my life in an environment like that, um, and so I had to um, help him but step my foot down mm-hmm. and say i i am not going to i mean i was to the point where i was isolating myself and not being involved and just being around with the kids and you know he's wanting to know my every move so it wasn't healthy for either one of us um did have to give him an ultimatum and i told him i would leave him if something did not change he cannot question mm-hmm. when i look look i mean it was So that was just a pivotal point about 10 years into our marriage. And I know some people listening to this that have known us (laughs) um, at that point in our marriage will have probably no idea unless you were in our inner circle, even then might not realize that was going on. So I just want to share to the listener and the marriages out there. And if you are friends and if you're in a marriage and friends with someone in a marriage, um, they have stuff going on. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. that they're working through or they should be working through. Um, It can be very private matter. Um, If they want to share it, so be it. But if you feel like there is something going on, there's some distance, there's something changing, um, get involved. Ask them. You know, if you're friends with her, ask her privately. Because there could be something going on that um, they need counsel or help going through. Because, again, you have to be very vulnerable to say, my marriage is having some trouble. And it's because of something I did in my past that he didn't even know what didn't even involve him. But yeah, I was just going to add that. And they may be really wanting someone to genuinely ask what's wrong. I need help or help us fix this. Exactly. So you you never want to not ask and you be the one that needed to ask. And you just need a really, really good relationship. I mean, it needed to be someone very, very close um, I was very close to my parents. I still am. I mean, um, mama and, and, um, they knew, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, they were going to be supportive for both, both Seth and I, I mean, this was a, you know, in the ultimate goal for Seth, when Seth and I got married, one of the things we said in our vows to each other is divorce is not an option. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. And he agreed to it. I agreed to it. So whatever we were going to go through, we would be able to work through it. Um, anyway, so yeah. How old were you at the time that you and Seth had that conversation and you decided I'm going to have to pack up my bags and, and leave. And at, at what point in your marriage, because you said that you were rebaptized around about 28. Well, you didn't say it in this podcast, but you, it was I, after I that. To, okay. So it was after that mm-hmm. because the one thing, because you're, you're gaining a little bit more confidence. Yes. But very, it's not confidence so. in people Mm-mm. so much at this time. Mm-mm. Because I, you know, tell us a little bit about the story about you being baptized, because there there was this confidence about you at that time that you're, you were beginning to understand your value and worth in Christ, mm-hmm. not so much in the value and worth of, of mm-hmm. being a wife to Seth. Yeah. 
And that's where you kind of gain that. It was Mm -hmm. shifting because, you know, even for the listener, whenever, you know, you're in a situation to where you are, are putting your value and worth in what people think about you. And and that relationship, yeah. what it, that can have an effect on how you manage that relationship. Yes, you handled it very differently mm-hmm. once you came to understand your value. Yeah, and it took a lot of courage. Yes, to do that. Um, and it was after. Yes, uh, I would. I decided to be baptized again um, at the church family that mm-hmm. I'm at now. Um, <laughs> have been at love, love them. Um, and I just, I just remember I was finding, I was finding this freedom and this yes. individuality um, and learning more about really the love of Christ. And I know Stacy knows I'm very passionate about this. You cannot truly live a free life in Christ right. if you do not know who you are following. And if you do not understand his unfailing love for you and his pursuit of you, you cannot, you can try, you can check all the lists. But if you don't know why those lists are even in place and, and who they're for, you, you, you can't. And so um, I just remember it was I, I truly believe it was a spirit calling me. Yeah. Um, I know it now. I didn't know. I, I tell you, if you want to start trying to understand, have a child, mm-hmm. have a child. And then you will understand truly um, it helps you understand. And I mean, have a child, adopt a child. Um, care for a niece or not. I mean, have, have a child that you love and you would sacrifice your life for. Right. Like there's nothing you would not do for that child. You know, um, that is the love of God. And there's nothing that child would ever do to separate you. There's nothing they could do to separate that love. Um, so I, you know, mm-hmm. had, um, Ian and when I was decided to be baptized again, and then I was like, I just remember reaching out to an elder yes. at the time. Um, I mean, if, if I said, um, you know, if I had to describe this elder, um, he would have been love. Mm-hmm. He exuded love. Um, and so that's who I reached out with. I never felt judgment. I want, this is important too. I never felt judgment with this elder. I never felt like I had to censor my words or explain myself or, skeptical like what is she coming at me no he was an elder that was just open arms love and you come to me with whatever and it's almost like he understood because he also Mm -hmm. was at fault for things you know he understood redemption and and forgiveness and everything so I remember going up to him and I said I'm thinking about I think I want to be rebaptized and he told me he said when were you baptized is it nine 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 o'clock nine Is it nine o'clock? No. Um, <laughs> it's getting really late, ladies. <laughs> We're cutting. Um, anyways, and so um, I told him nine, and it was fear-driven. I didn't want to go to hell. And, and he was like, well, that's an okay reason, but it's not the real the reason. The reason. Yeah, the reason. <laughs> and yeah. so I said, I just, I feel like there's more to this. And I just, I feel like I'm starting to understand that this is about a Holy Spirit baptism. This is not a baptism, really, of forgiveness of sins. Exactly. So I'm very passionate <laughs> ever since I've been 28 years old that we, like when I ever study with someone, that the reason why they are accepting baptism is because they are gaining the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is just part of it. Redemption yes. is part of it. Mercy is part of it. Grace is part of it. You know, the yes. cleansing is part of it. But the sole reason 
is because you are going to get a helper. Yes. I lived so long without a helper mm-hmm. that I, I mm-hmm. that's what I wanted. Yes. And, um, Stacy will tell her story. Um, at some point you will hear hers, but she was also baptized yes. again and chose for similar reasons. Um, yes. and, and so I wanted that helper and I, I needed that helper. I didn't want to do this alone anymore. And, um, and so I believe that the Holy Spirit, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, this is something yes. we were talking about. Um, so, you know, at your baptism, whether you realize it or not, do you receive the receive. Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit landed on you because it's Christ doing, right? So this is how I like to kind of explain it. Um, I was nine. Yeah. It's hard for an adult to understand yes. <laughs> the working of the Holy Spirit, let alone I was never, I never even knew we were not Spirit. taught about the Holy Spirit. There was a Holy Ghost. There was a, yes, but we and weren't I thought, taught about his what thought, he did for us. I thought that was a ghost that followed <laughs> Jesus around. <laughs> I thought Jesus was like being haunted or something for something he did wrong. No, uh, I'm serious. In yeah. my childhood brain, that's like Casper the friendly ghost. Yes, yeah. yes, the Holy Ghost was Casper. It's Jesus and Casper, guys. <laughs> yes. I think I even like that was a phrase. Oh my goodness, my brain is like <laughs> that is so that's freaking me out. Yeah, we used to call him Casper because we didn't <laughs> understand. He just he was friendly. I think it is so interesting that um so it would be more uh my parents' generation um that would have been uh, a mm-hmm. lot of the same ideologies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like we pray for peace, but we don't talk or believe in the pe- peace giver. Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. You know, what? we 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 pray for a helper and for help, but then we don't we don't preach about the helper. Mm-hmm. We don't accept the helper. We don't, I mean, some people don't even believe in the helper, and he's literally called the helper. So yeah, literally, yeah. Thank you, Lord, for <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Thank you Not for Casper, my helper, the friendly ghost. Not Casper. Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure I would have punched Casper in the face many times in my teen years. I would have throat punched him so many times. I mean, I'm pretty sure I did it. She just threw hands, people. I I don't know. I mean, where's the respect on Casper? Uh, You know, know, whenever you have this this, uh, perception that the Holy Spirit is a ghost, no wonder we lived in fear. Yeah. Yeah. It was complete, complete fear. The helper, you know, the spirit that had come upon me and that uh, you know I, I believe that he was pursuing me like truly pursuing me just like I had a pursuing husband um, I have a pursuing God and I'm learning what that looks like I I just know that after I stepped my foot down and said I'm not gonna live this way that takes courage it takes a lot of courage to do that to a husband you love and a family that you have and children and you have this, quote, perfect image. Um, again, I was willing to buck that with all I had because mm-hmm. that was no way to live. I'd live that um, for most of my life. So I was I was willing to let that go. I just wasn't willing. And I believe it was the spirit that was giving me the courage to do that. So who knew that I would need the courage mm-hmm. um, that I was going to need, uh, but God did. And I'm going to fast forward to 2014. Mm-hmm. 
and um, a lot of good stuff happened. We had fun. Let me tell you, it was a freedom after that moment. And we worked through some stuff, very healthy, praying every night together was applicable things we did. I didn't want to some nights because he ticked me off and I ticked him off. But, you but know, in that marriage, we, yes, yeah, we yelled. Marriage. Mm-hmm. One o'clock in the morning fights, exhausting, you know, but it was just wrestling with each other. Yes. And relationships, when they're focused, because we wanted to heal. Um, so we, we got to a really, really, really good place um, early on. I say early because we were married 2014. We were married 20 years, mm-hmm. almost 20 years. Um, two wonderful sons. Uh, you couldn't have asked for um, just better, better children. Um, and I all, I contribute that to Seth and I's humility as parents um, in surrender. Even when we faltered, we would say we're sorry to them. Like it was, I, I did not want to be a parent that was authoritative. That was not the answer, but I didn't want to be a passive parent either and let them get away. It was, you, you, you found the balance to, right. Cause we follow mm-hmm. Christ. Yes. And so that's who we're going to emulate as a parents. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to, so we did a lot of studying of who the father was and how the father parents and, um, how he is with, um, you know, his children. And so we tried to parent that way. So 2014, um, there was a Wednesday night. I remember um, it, w- it would have been the second April second uh, of 2014. Uh, we had started. There was a women's ministry. Um, it was going good. Uh, we had a series on the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of our ladies, uh, very qualified, was teaching on the gift of humility. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting up in the front row with Stacy's mom, and because um, I led singing for the ministry at that time, and you know she had a the teacher had a checklist of th- prideful things that we do when we say and respond mm-hmm. to people and non prideful things. And it was a checklist, and she said, "Just go down and check off, you know, what you can. Just do that visually." And I remember checking off everything in the prideful thing list and everything in the non-prideful non-pride you know prideful was like if someone asked you how are you doing you go good mm-hmm. well there's not really any of us any of us doing truly good um but that's pride you know mm-hmm. and so i just remember going i don't like that like it was instant wrestling in my heart like i don't like that visual and i remember looking at stacy's mom i don't like that like but and she was like well what are you gonna do about it you know i mean she was like i I checked them off too you know and we had this laugh and then we broke out in small groups and i remember even going to the small group and a dear dear friend very very close to this day um was in that group and i remember crying i mean it was it was really this i don't know what's going on to me but i am literally being ripped open and I don't know what this has to do with humility and, and all that. But I just remember confessing to the group, I don't like the fact that I am not being humble. Like, I want to, I want the humility of Christ. And I remember she reached over, patted me on the leg and said, oh, honey, you're human. It's not possible. And I remember looking at her and I go, it is. Or he wouldn't say. And so I thought, if I never achieve it, then I will work the rest of my life to try to reach and, and try to be more like Christ the rest of my life. So I remember going home, still torn up about it, 
having a talk with Seth. We were lying in bed, and I said, you know, this is what happened. And he said, well, pray about it. You know, pray about mm-hmm. it. And and I said, I will. I remember turning over, crying, and praying. And literally, the Spirit said to me, oh, yes, I'm calling you to humility, but this is going to take a great suffering. You're going to have to, you're going to lose something or something's going to happen. And I remember being devastated like, oh, if I want, and it's like, Charity, if you want this humility, it's going to have to take a great suffering. And I was like, well, I want it. You placed it on me. What do I need to do? And then the thought that I would lose one of my kids. Yes. One of my sons. I remember literally like, bawling bawling and and say and just surrendering and going okay I mean how does a mother decide but you're calling me to this place and I don't know you have a bigger purpose even if it means losing one of my kids you know and so I remember going to sleep and right before I went to sleep before the prayer ended James 1 2 through 4 dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So that's what I heard. Mm -hmm. And I went, then you've got it. And I will consider it. And I I remember going to sleep. Went on the next day. No, you know, Thursday, just regular day. Didn't even really think about it anymore. I mean, it was so impactful, but evidently didn't think about it. Friday morning went to a um, church member's funeral. She had passed away, young lady, and I got a call in the parking lot from Seth, and it was, I need you to go to Dad's house. And he had a tone in his voice that I'd never heard before. And so I went immediately to his dad's house, and he had approached us. um, His dad and I were standing out in the driveway, and he had approached in the car, didn't even turn off the car, kept the door open, literally stood in front of his dad. And I'm standing here looking at two pillars in my life, right? Two men I completely respect and love dearly. And he looks at his dad and he said, I have cancer. And I... Your response. Chuckled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Because then guess what came to my head? James James 1, 2 through 4. Consider Mm -hmm. it pure joy when you go through trials. Mm-hmm. Of many kinds. And so I just remember, <laughs> I don't know about this one, um, but yeah, okay, you have cancer. So that's it. And then I remember reflecting on that going, okay, it's not one of the kids. So mm-hmm. it's going to be this. So I share that because I believe when we get to a point in our walk and, and this did not happen without a desire to surrender, to him mm-hmm. daily throughout the years because I knew my marriage wouldn't have made it if I hadn't surrendered to him and let him take the lead in that. Um, I knew there were other things that had happened throughout the years that I had to surrender. I mean, my mother-in-law, I helped her pass. It took 41 days. I helped her pass. And that was a surrender. And I remember how hard that was and like crying out to God on my deck one day. And we, and we had small kids, and I was navigating them, and Seth was working, but I would go over every day and help Joe, you know, um, take care of her. And I think what a great example she was to me was that she was my mother-in-law, and she surrendered to allow me to help her because mm-hmm. it was one of the greatest honors I've ever had when she could have said no. I was not her daughter. Right. Um, but she allowed me 
and her husband. And that was, if you knew her, that was the biggest honor I could have ever been given um, by her. So she was teaching me. And then beknownst to me, I remember several years into Seth's cancer journey that I did not know the purpose of going through that with her, but then it was revealed that isn't that interesting that his own mother was teaching me how to take care of him and I know and that, do it in an honorable way. And mm-hmm. I know that there were many other things that happened in your life yeah. that you're we're just not even going to go into and talk about right. in that 20 years that yeah. was building your faith. Yes. You at this point in your life, your faith had been built to the point that mm-hmm. you were like, man, I, I but I do want to surrender. And I know I, it takes I a lot desire. of us. You desire yes. to surrender. And I know it takes a lot of us. I know for me, yeah. there has to be a willingness. Yeah. But it's the love of God that carry us, yes. carries us through that to get us to the point of that to, to we're, till we're ready to surrender yeah. that. And, and you were there the thing, at this point. And here's the thing. I truly, truly believe, I mean, if I could list all the things I've been through yeah. up to this point in the cancer, right. um, joy does not come without suffering. It, right. It's not possible. True, sustainable joy in this life in Christ is not going to happen without a suffering. It's the reason why the verse that says, for joy, he went to endure, endured the cross. For joy, he endured the cross. Um, and awaiting, you know, he endured the suffering, awaiting the joy, you know, ahead of him. It's why we are to do what we do and walk through the suffering and the painful things that we don't choose that's been laid upon us. Um, I remember another thing that was interesting to me and was eye-opening Um, And that it was very, and I just have to chalk it up to all the things that Seth and I had gone through and surrendered as a couple and learned to navigate together through the hard times and just stuck it out. You know, it was just not an option. We're going to stick this out was the fact that when he was diagnosed, we were leaving his dad's house and having to go to my parents' house just a mile south. Mm. And prior to that, we had been on a trip prior to his diagnosis, and we had talked about as a family going on the mission field. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone, no one knew that at the time. We had privately talked about going to, working with the churches in Jamaica for like six months at a time, maybe a year. The boys were on board. Eli was excited he's going to play basketball in Jamaica. Um, (laughs) And um, and so we were trying to really feel, felt like we were being called to a mission field. That's important. That is important. We were being called to a mission field. We thought it may have been there. Um, but I just remember going to my parents' house and crying, and um, and I just said, oh, we're not going to get to go on the mission field. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to get to do that. We had even thought about adopting a girl. Mm-hmm. We had even thought about atop- adopting a little girl because um, I can no longer have children. Um, after Eli and um, I just remember and I felt like that was a mission field um, because we had so much love and we wanted to bring a little girl into the arms of Jesus um, in this world and I just remember telling Seth we're not going to get to go on the mission field can we even adopt a little girl now Um, just these private conversations and he without a beat 
He's the one with cancer, been diagnosed, just found out two hours earlier. He reaches over, grabs my hand, and he is driving, and he looks over at me. I'll never forget it. And he said, oh, we are going on the mission field, and cancer will be our mission field. Mm -hmm. And it was like our faith at that moment was equal. It's priceless. And I went, yes, cancer will be our mission field. So from day one, um, we have been very vocal Mm -hmm. about giving God the glory through it. Um, no matter what happened, doesn't mean it wasn't hard, doesn't mean it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I, although I'm now debating if grief, this type of grief is now the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, um, being without him. Um, I'm navigating that. And But truly, truly, we felt it was, it was our mission field. Um, I believe it's one of the reasons why I'm struggling now, um, trying to find my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have lost my security. Um, and my mate and, um, you know, so just trying to navigate that. I know my identity's in Christ. Oh my goodness. That is, um, it's the only reason I have survived almost, you know, nine and a half years of terminal cancer with my husband is putting God in his place and reminding ourselves that we are not God. And well, we are not is. in control of this diagnosis. The roller coaster ride of terminal of cancer is crazy you can't explain it to anyone you just have to navigate through it the um, and if i can say there is a freedom that can be found um through disease um is that daily wake up and say today may not look like what i think it's going to look like because in with disease you can get it you can get it a doctor can call and there's a change but I'm going to just navigate it with you, Lord. And then you will have days upon months go by and years. And you look back and you go, I don't know how I did that. But I know who I did that mm. with and who I did that for. And so he gets all the glory. Um, I've been told, like, Seth's first surgery, um, I, I wasn't a Facebooker. That's another thing. I was not a writer or a mm-hmm. social media person until the end of 2013 because I were went even back. told by a teacher that you would never write. Yes, I was told by a teacher that I, and I couldn't write. <laughs> I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I couldn't. That's and the power so of the Holy I, Spirit. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I started writing the end of 2013 on mm-hmm. Facebook. And then it was like, well, here's the platform. It's almost like he just set it up and he said, did. go. And I just remember Seth's first surgery. Um the thousands of people that were praying, um, husbands and wives coming up throughout his whole cancer, throughout this whole cancer journey, saying, you know, I haven't prayed with my husband in years, and we are on the floor praying for your family. Um, so there is a level in the hurt that it is, it is not in vain. Um, I do believe that he doesn't ever waste a hurt. And um, cancer was a hurt. Um, it hurt. And it was a, a great suffering that we had to endure. Um, I can say, I, and I truly only give this, and I do want to talk about this. Um, and y'all talk with me, you know, talk this through. Something that I've just, I've started realizing and something that I'm questioning. Are we appointed for a season by the Holy Spirit in order to give him the glory Yes. To bring others. We had a measure of faith um, that I can't explain. The moment that Seth 
like we realized this was our mission field it was like like a bomb went off like a like a light bulb went off and it was like this faith we've never ever once and people say everyone questions god i don't believe everyone questions god for the things that happen in their life we never once questioned god it was like this is our mission we will glorify him through the pain it was never and it doesn't make us better i, I mean i'm just saying we're not better than anyone else it's just i feel like there was this extra measure of faith placed on us mm-hmm. by the holy spirit to do his bidding through something that we were being called to do because i know many people that are suffering with diseases and and diagnosis and raising children and and they're doing it you know beautifully or it's hard or it's like they're i don't know how you did it not i i can't give props to seth and i i i have i want to give the glory to god for his purpose mm. he gave us that strength um because there were things that i handled i don't know how i handled it that way it has to be by his doing um and his spirit overshadowing um, well, you mentioned does. appointment, and I do believe that there is an appointment, and in that divine appointment was the the day that you became willing. Yes. Okay, and I don't. And it's be- only through I, hurt. <laughs> yes, and I don't believe that there will be an appointment by the Holy Spirit that He will assign to anybody who isn't willing to go through it, and, unless and, He's prepared. Unless you He's to prepared you to go through right. it and accept it, and then, like Very you said, good. He set it up, and He yes. there. You had that platform, and you had everything. It and, was, and I'm it's telling mind you, blowing. the world mm-hmm. has sat there and watched you for nine and a half years mm-hmm. go through suffering, and you you hit the nail on the head. So joy doesn't happen without suffering. No. And I can tell you today, I even mentioned to you to, this to you the other day, that I watch you whenever you get up there and you lead singing. Oh. And I'm telling you, with everything that I know you're going through, because I'm very close mm-hmm. to you, and I know your pain, and I know mm-hmm. your hurt. My daily things, your daily, I confess yes. to Stacy that I'm struggling. I mean, I'm being attacked, and... And I don't know why. But, and and yeah. like even today, even yeah. being attacked, but yet you have, I've never met anybody who has had so much joy. And so when you yeah. get up there and sing, I've never seen anybody get up there and just with this smile on your face mm-hmm. and you just bring the spirit into yeah. the room and people just are embracing that and, and mm-hmm. a true sense of worship yeah. in that moment. Because we can sit there and we've witnessed somebody who's gone through everything you have and still have that much joy. That doesn't happen without Christ. Yeah. The only reason I got through it is because of it, him. So right. I will praise him and worship Absolutely. him every day. I mean, there, there's just nothing on this earth. Um, I've kind of, I think I've touched on my heart surgery a little bit. Um, um, did kind of technically, not kind of, um, had that a traumatic also, experience, but that was where the, the freedom started to. Yes, for me, a relentless of letting go of man. So yeah, so I got it. I've got a question. Um, wow, what a, uh, an amazing testimony! And Thank as in in being here, um, and only knowing you the last two years really? of this story. Has it only been two yeah. years? I feel yeah. like it's been a lifetime with Aww, you. Well, I know, precious. I know, I'm just so much. God brings certain people, I mean, perfect people in the certain seasons. And I do so. believe that you were brought here with purpose oh, and absolutely. at the right time, yeah. Amelia. Okay. Yes. Not just for me, for you. I yes. mean, for yeah. you and Lowell. I mean, it's perfectly timing. She'll talk about that in her story. I don't mm-hmm. want to take that away, but it is. Yeah, maybe one day. Perfect time. She's going to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, 
no one has ever, I don't think, worshipped as expressively free as you. I've seen mm. people worship mm-hmm. as a, a, a means of show or entertainment mm-hmm. or uh, for the picture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but guys, when charity worships in a corporate setting, um, you ought, to in, see, you ought to see me behind doors. Oh, mm. <laughs> if you see me know. in a corporate setting, you don't see me. She worships. <laughs> she worships daily. I did. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. But and in and a we know that. Yes. 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 Um. When did that happen? When did you go from being legalistic, mm-hmm. isolated, mm-hmm. no voice, mm-hmm. to laying it all out there? And got, and when I like, she would run the auditorium if it mm-hmm. wouldn't actually cops people to pass out yeah so like um, we're ta- it's all but, i've got but, to like st- but in a way that's humbly mm-hmm. do you you humbly do it um mm-hmm. so yeah when did that happen i don't know that it happened in one particular moment um it's been happening along the way um i've shared some of those um tonight but hmm I'm just going to kind of fast forward my my near death whenever I was literally in the contact of glory of God in his presence. And then he said, nope, you got to go back. And I, I do believe that I was allowed to come back. I did not completely die on that table. Um, you go because all the way through the light. I did not go all the way through the light. I was in the light. The light was in me. Mm-hmm. Um, God spoke to me. I mean, I, I have all of that. Um but when you come in contact, I, I just, it's very hard to explain that when I was allowed to come back, and I do believe I came back because of the prayers of everyone praying, because it was that quickly yes. that I was pulled back. I knew I was leaving and just declared, um, your will be done, Lord. And I grieved it for a year. And that was at the beginning of 2020, by the way. Uh, 2020 was a year of, <laughs> okay, uh, we're not done surrendering, Charity. So you're going to be 2020 was double, a year for a lot of people. Yeah, double open heart surgery. It was a simple valve repla- uh, repair, right? Mm. Um, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, got COVID that year, but recorded an album with just 16 people. Um had a pacemaker defibrillator implant. Um, I mean, it was... It was a year. It was a year. COVID did not scare Charity, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like people were freaking out about dying. I'm like, what are you talking about? Exactly. I mean, I should have died in an open heart surgery. I mean, as far as... I, I knew that wasn't... And I mean, Seth was a walking. Yeah. He should have died. Uh, so, right. like, yes. so there's I mean, no fear. No. So, you know, my cancer-filled husband right. is like taking care of me. So it, it wasn't... That is when I... It sealed it for yeah. me. Yeah. It was a seal um, that there is nothing that man could do. Mm-hmm. No judgment. Because remember, I lived through it. It's my story. It's the way I was treated. I was under a microscope all the time that it was like, we're done. And there is nothing that man can do, say, mm-hmm. that will separate me from the true worship um, to my Savior. Um, I long mm long to be with him again um at the end of my prayers if i say a public prayer and most of the time privately i always end it with um lord come quickly she does most of the time yeah lord come quickly um lord save souls save souls mm-hmm. and come quickly let's just go ahead let's and rain judgment and let's do this thing so mm-hmm. we can all i want everyone to experience 
his glory. So when I worship, I literally picture myself in the presence of the throne of God with Seth. So when I Mm. sing, it's the closest I can get to Seth, even on this earth. And there is nothing that's going to separate me from him again Mm -hmm. and my God. Amen. And so I just... It's perfectionism is so the furthest from and then from my I have I I I was given a gift of song so I'm very intentional. I was about to say you say perfection but you've got a pretty almost perfect voice. Oh my word! Oh my word, Amelia, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Okay, okay, but I agree with her. Yes. Oh, yes, I, I get things wrong. <laughs> you have a gift. Well, well I'm I'm legally hearing impaired, so maybe that's okay, well, a problem. Then, you know, hey, I don't know. And Christ but, is the one who yeah. makes that perfect. So, yeah, yes. I was going to say what you're it's hearing. His gift he gave is, to you. Yes. it's the using of yes. his gift freely and yes. uninhibited. Yes. So we're all given these gifts by the Spirit. Mm, yeah. What is your gift? Are you using it <laughs> uninhibited? Un no, no cage. No, because you don't care about what people think. Yes. Because man is always going to have a judgment call on us. Um, someone's not going to like my hair. Someone thinks my hair needs to be long. Someone likes my hair short. Someone. But at the end of the day, what matters is your worship with your Lord mm-hmm. um, in private and in public. And so yeah. what you see in public is what I do in private because it's not about man. I'm not thinking about people. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about him. And there are certain songs, I was sharing this with Amelia um, the other day, there are songs now that I sing, that we sing, um, or that I sing um, privately, that takes me to my father's house, in my father's house, um, when we all get to heaven, Mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about those songs, about that blessing and that gift, I literally, I know who's there, and I know a little bit, a glimpse of what he is experiencing. I know what my dad is experiencing. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad um, has gone on, and my mother-in-law. I mean, I just, I yearn to be in that. And so when I'm in worship, I'm there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm fully there. It's, It's sometimes hard for me to get into the present moment. Um, especially like in corporate, we call it corporate worship when we're with our family, our church family, that um, I, I have to be intentional about, um, you know, what what we're singing and, and who I'm in the presence with I because it's just a very sacred space. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When we worship together and we go before the throne of God, but worship is daily. So it's it's just a surrendered life, and to see it's fun. If you yeah. if, you know if you truly understand the love of God and His pursuit of you and the Spirit working in your life, man, look for those opportunities. How the Spirit is laying things on you, working in people's lives around you, moving mountains in front of you, making you wait and sitting there holding you, um, right and comforting you. Mm-hmm. Um, look for those opportunities because life is just so much more fun. Um, and so that's a, a great reminder 
Who said Jesus couldn't be yeah. fun, huh? Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, right? He's got a sense of humor, too. He does. <laughs> um, by the way, in the NDE, he laughed at me because I kept praising him. <laughs> I kept praising him. I was like, Lord, you're so good. You are just amazing. Thank you for the trees. As the, as the pictures were flashing up, I mean, thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I started making up stuff like... Thank you for the grass. Thank you for... I could not stop praising him. I just could not because I realized... So you gave him ...that a the good light chuckle. was in me. He goes, <laughs> Charity, I know. I mean, that is literally what I heard. Like, uh-huh. he knows me. He knows my, mm-hmm. my, yearn, my yearns and my wants and my desires to praise him. So, um, yeah, he has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I no longer feel... I think another reason why I'm just in this worship and I I desire for so many people to be in a spirit filled worship Mm -hmm. on the daily basis, not just with their church family. Um, And to show that, like, let that be free, like, let that be uninhibited because you never know who you're going to witness to. Um, Like y'all were talking about, there's a witness and you know, it's not fake, you know, when it's fake and you know, when it's not, um, so yeah, it's just a it's well, a beautiful all I beautiful can say life. Is thank you for your uninhibited worship. Thank you that we get to witness to. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is I'm not going to say fun, no, but it is um, exciting. You you notice I changed when I started talking about the spirit. I we could ha- mm-hmm. I, <laughs> let Go me just talk about him. Mm-hmm. And one thing I just want to leave um, the listener with. I don't know where you are in your life and what is keeping you burdened down. Maybe it's a past. Maybe it's a something, of, a, you know, something that you can't forgive in yourself that you've done or things that you've chosen to do. Um, I do know this, that we serve a Lord who has already forgiven you. Amen. Who wants all of your heart, who wants you to just rest in his arms because his unfailing love never ends. And he just wants to hold you. He literally, literally wants to hold you and help you through his spirit. 